Hello, and welcome to the Movement Enthusiast Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Sakala. This podcast is all about movement and the wonderful changes you can make to your physical and mental well-being simply by implementing movement into your everyday life. In this series, you'll get to know many other movement enthusiasts who have influenced and inspired me to get out there and get moving. Today I'm speaking with Levon Smith, a Budokan yoga instructor who works in downtown Miami at the BDK Academy. I first met Devon in Clearwater at one of her Budokan classes. I instantly fell in love with this beautiful practice. The meditation and movement always brought me strength, yet taught me how to become a warrior at peace. Devon's energy is amazing, and her words in class always help ground and guide me towards becoming the best version of myself. I'd like to introduce you all to Devon Smith. Devon, I have truly missed you so much and I am so happy to be interviewing you today. Oh, thank you, honey. I'm glad to be here. I'm really happy. Good. So we're going to start with the same first question I always start with, and that is, when was the last time you moved? Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday. During the Warrior Women Brunch, I moved. That was such a fun time. That was. That was really fun. I enjoyed it, too. It was a lot of women and... Uh, it's nice to have everybody come together and um, have a nice challenging practice, um, even in the most basic of movements. It was super challenging. It was. But it was so empowering. It was just the energy of the room was just contagious. I loved it. Definitely, definitely. And when you get that little shake because something's really hard, it's oh. just like, I'm doing the work. Yes, right? yes, <laughs> for sure. So can you tell me about what kind of things you did for exercise when you were little? When I was younger, I did ballet. Wow. So I mostly come from a jazz and ballet background, and that's really about all I did was dance. So I danced for my exercise most of the time, on and off for years, maybe walking, running, you know, an aerobics class at that time so that should probably tell my age a little bit <laughs> but you know I was younger so I stuck mostly just to the the movement part of the dance that's awesome so you're really dedicated to the ballet I was as a young person and then I, I kind of lost my way on the dance and um, but that'll probably come up later on uh, I lost my way on that and kind of shifted focus and um, wasn't doing as much movement and um, ended up, you know, years later now finding Budokan, which kind of matches what the dance was like, right? Yeah. It's a dance, for sure. Definitely. So going from ballet and saying you lost your way, is that kind of what led you into yoga? Yeah, I actually ended up um, for, for many years not really having a dedicated exercise regimen at all and so what happened was when I say I lost my way I, I got into my 20s I started working and really had no emphasis on any movement in my life at all uh, really just kind of lost that piece of me completely stopped dancing stopped doing all of it and um, ended up with some issues, some health issues along the way, and that's what 
drove me right back around to moving. So how did you transition from traditional yoga into Budokan yoga? So when I finally found my way back to just like exercising like regularly, I actually started back with Pilates. Uh, I had a, I, I, my background is in skincare. And so I was working in a, in a spa at the time where we had a massage therapist and a chiropractor. And then there was me and there was this young woman that was a, a really educated, um, chiropractor. And she started talking to me about some of the issues that I was having, um, with my health. And she's the one that got me to come back in and start doing Pilates. And so she started teaching me one-on-one Pilates and I realized then that how I had allowed myself, I'd let myself go and I had stopped putting any focus on my physical body and, and only, you know, that I had allowed myself to get weak and I wasn't feeling well. And so I started messing around with the Pilates with her and I really loved it. I still love Pilates. I love Pilates too. <laughs> I still love Pilates. And, um, and I found a teacher at that time in my life in Clearwater, and he was a yoga teacher, a Hatha yoga teacher, an Iyengar yoga teacher, and he was 85 years old. Wow. And I found him in Clearwater, and I started to go to his class. Right after the Pilates started to give me a little bit of confidence back, I was like, okay, I can get my groove back. I can... I can do this at 38 years old because at that time I was 38. And um, so I started going to his classes and I realized I have this 85 year old man and his 75 year old wife at that time who were my teachers and they could do more with their physical bodies than I could. Wow. And so I was humbled. I was really truly humbled by the experience of watching them move and then there was me who had no strength no I, I, I couldn't do half the things they were even asking me to do at that time and I remember the first time I went I left and I was I was I was pretty humbled and pretty upset with myself for allowing my physical practice to just go away and I ended up that night realizing that I either needed to keep going back to Claude's class or I was not going to move. And I, I took that as a driver that night. It was, it was a driver for me to just go, okay, I'm going to commit to myself. And even though I'm weak, my body's weak at that time, my body was weak, my mind was also very weak. And so my, I wasn't feeling like I could even set boundaries in my own life. Like for myself, even outside of my practice, it was kind of like I just let myself become weak. Mm-hmm. And once I started practice, from that day on, I started going every day to his classes. I never missed one. And so I would go 90-minute classes with him or his wife, whichever one. And little by little, I started to build strength. And the more strength that I built in my body, the more strength I felt I had in my mind. And so I started to get what you would call, I guess, your mojo. I started to feel like here I was back. Here I am. And um, it was 
probably one of the last things for me to change was to go back to movement because I had tried everything prior to that. I had tried changing my food, I had worked on that, and I had worked on whatever physicians said I needed to do, or, and then it was kind of like the last thing. It was the last thing that I went to. Wow. And it was the one thing that made the most, besides the food, the nutrition made just as much of a significant change, mm -hmm. but it didn't take away my anxiety. Mm -hmm. It didn't take away the weakness that I was feeling. So I had anxiety and weakness that was going on, and this, this started to show me that, wow, I could connect the two, and the stronger I felt in my physical body, the stronger I felt in my mind. Wow, that mind-body connection. Yes, for sure. That's so awesome. So what was your training experience like? So with that training experience, I trained with him for about a year. And I even did some teacher training stuff with him too throughout that time period. And it was all very small baby steps because for me it was, I was starting from ground zero. So it was falling in love with the process that I was working through, right? So mm -hmm. I allowed myself to take those baby steps and just train in classical yoga. So it was very classical Hatha style yoga with him. It was all alignment based. So it was static. It was still postures, right? So mm -hmm. once you got in the posture, you stayed in the posture, you were in that posture for five breaths or more, right? And so that was the practice I started with, it was just a static practice of alignment in, in yoga. And then from there, I started to realize I was starting to not outgrow my static practice because I think there's a time and a place for that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I felt confident in my static practice and I wanted to move more into a moving meditation style practice. So that's when I found a totally different yoga studio that I started going to in, in Clearwater Yoga Village. And I started training Ashtanga and I started taking only Ashtanga classes and then some alignment classes peppered in there and I really dedicated myself to that practice and I I mean I was up and I was there every morning and I did my my practice and I worked really hard and when I wasn't there then I started my home practice so I not only did I go there to learn but I also had a home practice every day and it was pretty rigorous I mean I would spend easily several hours a day at least three wow. hours a day, so maybe hour and a half at the studio and an hour and a half at home practicing the things I couldn't do. Practicing the things that I my body wasn't familiar with yet. So I stayed pretty dedicated to that Ashtanga practice for two years and then did the teacher training program and became a Hatha teacher right, I'd say maybe two years after I started my yoga practice, I became that passionate about it and, and realized how much it helped me heal. Mm -hmm. It healed me um, because I took time alone for myself and really worked on my body and my mind all at the same time when I was working on those practices because I can even remember Shavasana being hard. Really? That's how much my mind, my monkey mind and my anxiety went it took me there that I didn't want to do shavasanas. I didn't want to lay still. So, so as time went on, I practiced and practiced, and it was the dedication. I had to dedicate myself to the practice. I had to discipline myself to be motivated to, to continue to do the work that it took for me to be able to move, 
for me to be able to stay still. You know, all of those things I, I had not learned yet in my life. So when you finished that training, you taught Hatha for a while? So then, yes, right after that, I started teaching um, just like alignment deep stretch classes. So I, I started teaching alignment deep stretches like maybe once or twice a week. Then I started teaching Ashtanga two times a week. So at that point, then I started to disseminate what I had learned. And for me, I was super passionate about teaching beginners. I wanted to teach beginners because I was a beginner. I mean, we're all a beginner at some point in mm -hmm. something, right? And, but I had the patience for people that were like me at that time where they're coming in and they don't, they don't know where they're starting and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to, where do, what do I do and where do I start? And why am I doing this? And so for me, it was kind of like, I did that. I walked in that classroom when I met the older gentleman and I didn't know what I was doing and, and I, I didn't know where to start, but it was starting right where I was right at that moment in time and doing the best I can and I just kept kept on doing it because I fell in love with the movement of yoga and I just loved the whole philosophy of healing myself through my movement. I remember that was me when I came to your class at the very beginning. I had no idea what to expect and I remember just going in there and being like, all right, let's try Budokan. Let's see what this is all about. <laughs> I remember just, you were just so patient. That's the best way to put it. Patient, and you didn't mind explaining things over and over and over again because you were just trying to, you know, spread that love that you had for the practice. Because the practice itself, for me, and I can only speak for myself and, and maybe from watching some of my students now over the years, but we have to have it broken down. Sometimes it might take you 10 times for someone to explain it to you before you actually understand it. Sometimes it might take you 10 times to see someone do it and then 10 more times that you do it in your own body to feel it. So for me, I, that's how I learned. It was a slow process for me. So the patience, it just came naturally because I, I, it impacted my life so much to be moving at that age and to start to build a strong body and a strong foundation in my own body that I wanted other people to have the same foundation. So what would you say is the biggest benefit of Budokan Yoga? So I started teaching Budokan Yoga right, right, I'd say at the same exact time I, I started teaching Hatha and Ashtanga. I also did my Budokan Yoga teacher training. Oh. So I wrapped them all up around the same time. And that was maybe six years. Wow. Six years ago. And no, it's longer than that. It's actually nine years ago. So it's nine years. That training my husband brought me to. And uh, I went into the Budokan teacher training and thinking that it was just going to be a great way for me to connect with my husband. Really? Yes. And I didn't do any research, never looked Budokan up, none of the above. He was like, he loved yoga. I, I had gotten him to fall in love with yoga, but he had found this 
Budokan yoga and it was martial arts uh, inspired yoga. So it was Hatha yoga with martial arts circular transitions in it. And so he, he's like, I signed us up for this teacher training. We're gonna do this teacher training. And, and I was like, sure, this sounds great. Five days, five 10 hour days, we're gonna do a yoga teacher training together. And it's gonna be time for me and my husband to spend together. So I went to the teacher training and needless to say, it was very challenging. It was very much a practice that I had to groove into my mind, um, into really grooving in new neural pathways in my brain because my brain didn't even understand these circular movements in Budokan. And again, by the fifth day of that, I still had tons of homework to do and tons of videos to do to even become certified in Budokan because Budokan doesn't just give you a training and then send you out there to be a teacher. You get pre-homework, you have your training time, and then when you're completed, you actually have a certain amount of homework, essays, videos, podcasts, things you have to do, read, write, and turn in, and then they all get reviewed and sent back. So it took me, I'd say, at least, it was like a 90-day process after I went out of my training to really practice Budokan in my own body, and for me to understand it. And I ended up, um, again, being humbled by that whole process. I, I walked away and I thought, I have this yoga thing, right? I have this down pat. No, I went a whole nother level and then it was like, wow, this is Budokan. You know, Hatha yoga postures with martial arts transitions. And at the, it, it was so huge in my mind that I, I was, I didn't even know how to do some of the things that they were doing because they were asking you to move your right side of your body in one direction at the same time you're moving the left and and it was kind of like oh wait a second my body had never connected those dots before my mind had never connected those dots and once again I was humbled and I used that as a driver because I was the oldest one in the training and that was one of the drivers all of them were like super yogis, right? They could stand on one finger and do <laughs> like, you know, a handstand. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so for me, it was like, okay, I need to prove this to myself too. It was kind of like getting back into Pilates and yoga. And then here I am, I'm now finding an even more challenging process for myself. And what was I gonna do with that? Was I gonna let it, was I gonna run away and quit? Or was I gonna use it as a driver to do it? And I took the time, the three months after the training it took me to complete my process to be able to disseminate Budokan Yoga. And I, I, I went through the process. I committed and I disciplined myself and I learned it. But I, I, I had to learn it in my own body in order for it to come out of my mouth to teach to people that didn't know the practice. So Budokan Yoga, I've been teaching now for almost five years. Wow. And I still love it. It's such a fun practice. Fun does, isn't the right word. It's not always fun. <laughs> it's not. It's such a good combination of that mind-body connection, starting with the meditation, and then challenge yourself physically, like saying, can I do this move? Can I hold this? Can I 
you know, be this strong, to sit in this plank. Yeah, because one of the things I really realized, and even yesterday when we were in the Warrior Woman um, part of it, and uh, Melaine, Cameron's wife, because uh, Cameron Shane is our founder, and he's been working on this Budokan yoga for 30 years. This is his, this is his, his baby. This is, he created this from scratch. And, and so, you know, yesterday when we were in class and Melaine was like, you know, I know you're holding this, this particular plank and cobra hood for a long time, but I want you to melt into the discomfort. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a discomfort, but it in the long run brings you comfort. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, it, it kind of explains itself in that way. It's like, okay one of the things that Cameron always says to us is, you know, the way that you move in your life is the way that you live. So the way that you move in your practice is the same way you move in your life. So when you see yourself quit in the middle of holding that plank or give up or any of those things that it is, it could be something simple, it could be a downward facing dog that you hold for five minutes. Where are you in your mind? Because if you give up in that moment, what other places in your life are you giving up, right? Absolutely. And that's one of the things about Budokan. It's, it's like a constant teacher to me. I loved it so much because, well, one, it was, what I, it was the philosophies I agreed with. It was modern yoga. It was modern yoga without all the Sanskrit. So it could be disseminated in a modern way. It was not classical in any respect because you know in some classical poses i even in yoga i noticed over time you know you have to you have to know where your body is and every one of our bodies is different mm -hmm. so there might be a move that you do that doesn't feel so good on your left knee let's just say but maybe it doesn't bother me so you in in budokan yoga you have that that flow of knowing where your body is, do I need all my 10 toes forward? Do I need a micro bend in my knees? It's not strict and stringent. It's more of a slow style flow and it's just connecting the dots to the next pose. It's, it's not a fast flow, but the slower you go, the more your mind comes into play in it and the more the strength that you've built in your body comes into play with it. So fast forwarding to the present, you now teach in Miami at the BDK Academy. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your favorite style of class to teach there? Well, at Budokan, um, yeah, I never saw that happening in five years, that I would end up from uh, teaching just Budokan yoga, yoga to ending up in uh, the Miami headquarters where we actually do all of our trainings from. Even our international teacher trainings are done out of here three times a year so and those are 30-day trainings uh, I teach more of I we all teach Budokan yoga in the headquarters so it's always going to be Budokan but what we've done is we we I teach it more of a breakdown more of a basics in flow uh, so that even even seasoned people will feel it but new people can come into the classroom and still start to learn the movement so I teach more of a basics and flow of Budokan uh, so that people can get their foundation built, their foundation to move forward in this style of practice. Because we have a primary series in the practice, which is, consists of seven sections, but then 
there's there's a second series so it goes even further so it goes deeper and deeper into it so now what we do is we teach maybe two sections but they might be well one they're slowed down and then two there there might be longer holds at the academy you know we'll, we'll stop it and we'll build the strength so not only in yoga in our style of yoga you're building flexibility of course but you're also building strength so you used to be an esthetician. Can you give us one piece of advice about skincare? <laughs> Flipping the switch on, yeah. <laughs> um, so on the skincare side, I know I love skin. Skin's a passion for me, but you know, yoga was a passion for me too, right? Lots of passions. Yeah, exactly, lots of passions. Uh, it's what I educated myself in. But with the skincare thing, the most important tip I can give women today is you have to wash your face before you go to bed. And, and the reason why I say that is your face and your chest and the top of your hands are the first things to show your age. So when you go to bed at night and you don't wash your face and you sleep, whether you don't wear makeup or you wear makeup and you sleep all night and you wake up in the morning, if you wear makeup, you, you could be aging yourself seven years ahead of what you're really should be or what your skin should really be at but when you go to sleep your your skin heals itself your body does most of its healing within those first couple of hours of sleep so you want to go to bed with washing your face and maybe doing a special type of treatment that you want to do it could be a night cream it could be an essential oil blend okay uh, and we can talk about that in a second on the mm -hmm. essential oil blend. But I really love the essential oil blends for at night because, again, you can put some therapeutic essential oils in there so you have a nice, nice clean face. And then you put your essential oil blend on and then you sleep on it. So you're getting the healing from the essential oils. You're getting the moisture from the jojoba oil. And, you know, the healing takes place in that space. So I always even tell even my teenage daughter this. I don't care if you don't wash your face in the morning, the most important time to wash your face is before you go to bed. You still need to wash your face in the morning, but <laughs> if you're skipping a wash, ladies, it should be the morning. And you should never wash your face more than two times a day. Because if you wash your face more than two times a day and you have acne and you think you're getting the oil or you're getting the acne or you're getting the oily skin taken care of, you're actually creating more oil. Oh. So it should be Two times a day you wash your face, morning, most important time of the day you wash your face, nighttime, with your special treatment on it at night. So what essential oils would you recommend for skincare? Well, my favorite essential oil is, my favorite one's lavender, okay? Uh, I have many favorites, but lavender is at the very, and they all laugh at me at the school about this, lavender's at the top of my list. And the reason why I love lavender so much is because lavender doesn't react on people's skin. Lavender heals the skin. It calms sensitivities. It heals burns. I mean, lavender, lavender's antibacterial, antifungal, anti antiseptic. Lavender is kind of a universal oil. Lavender can be used on a baby. So lavender's my number one favorite one that I keep in my, my arsenal, and I have a pretty big arsenal. But lavender's one of the favorites. Uh, the other one I really love is frankincense. 
and frankincense has its own smell and everything to it, but frankincense for the skin uh, is a cell regenerator. So it's really good at regenerating cells in the skin itself and healing the skin. Um, and so I really kind of, I really like those two for different reasons. And there's a lot more. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, but I, and I'm very particular about the oils I use because they're not all treated or created equally. They're not all created equally. So if you think you're going to a health food store and you're just grabbing an oil off the shelf and you're like, oh, this one's great. Well, that doesn't mean it wasn't cut with an adulterated oil uh, like olive or coconut or something like that. So you really need to pay attention to the oils that you purchase uh, that you're putting on your skin or in your body. Are there any brands you could recommend? I, I actually really love, years ago I loved, when I first started this endeavor with skincare, I was in my 20s. And uh, I, back then it was Young Living, but now I, I use doTERRA. I use all the doTERRA essential oils now. Uh, they are therapeutic grade essential oils and you can put them on your skin and you can eat them. So like for me, like recently, I just got on a whole kick with the turmeric and I know we, we, we all kind of like know a little bit about turmeric, right? Mm -hmm. And it's anti-inflammatory benefits. So now they're even carrying like ginger and turmeric and all of those wow. in oil blends. So now I actually add turmeric or ginger or lemon to my kombuchas. Wow. So like whether it's kombucha or it's a glass of water with some lemon essential oil, because I know a lot of us are still doing the lemon waters, mm -hmm. you know, this is the same kind of concept. Wow. So I kind of been sticking to the doTERRA um, and, I, and I'm actually, and I love it and I actually teach on it to other people because I trust what they're doing with their oils because they're going through a process to make them therapeutic grade. So. That's important though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are they organic? I think most of all of their oils are. They're not sprayed with any kind of pesticides or herbicides or Perfect. anything like that. Yeah, so definitely. And then the other thing I wanted to say just so everyone can hear it is when we do oil blends at night, I, I say this to everyone, jojoba oil is the closest to what your skin already secretes. So your skin secrete, your sebaceous glands already secrete your own oils. When you use jojoba oil as a base um, for any essential oil that you're gonna make a blend for your skin, the jojoba oil, it it's acts as a natural vitamin A and it actually absorbs into the skin. Whereas if you're using like an almond oil or like just, I'm, and I'm talking about carrier oils, you use one of those doesn't mean you're gonna get it in the skin because I know if I put coconut oil on then I'm slick all day mm -hmm. right now I'm not saying that coconut oil is bad but it, it's not what I like to use on my face so I always go for that jojoba when I blend anything at night time for myself to put on my face as a moisturizer or as an anti-aging or to treat sensitive skin I always go for jojoba as a base with my essential oils okay awesome so no coconut oil on the face in your opinion. No. No coconut oil on the face. That's Save the coconut oil for your body, for your sun tanning, whatever <laughs> it is that you're doing, but not on the face. So what has been your biggest challenge in your journey? The biggest challenge for me in my journey has been about building strength. It's about building strength. It's about 
continuing to still fall in love with this process, continuing to still encourage myself to be disciplined enough to move, right? Mm -hmm. Because we really need to move. We spend so much time, and, and, and even me, uh, sitting, you know, on computers, you know, hunched forward, or, you know, so, so all of us, including myself, I mean, it's, it's about being disciplined enough to continue to move and fall in love with the process of what you're doing, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to. All the more reason not to give up. Correct. <laughs> I love it. Correct. So what's been your biggest triumph? My biggest triumph uh, for me in yoga, you mean in anything? In anything. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's easy for me to say. My biggest triumph just in my life so far, because one of the things I've, I've, I've pride myself in and I, I feel very strongly about, and another reason why I love Budokan Yoga so much is because we teach a system. And in that system, we teach ourselves and we teach others how to be not only in their thoughts and emotions and in their environment and their nutrition and their movement, but most important, their relationships. And the biggest triumph for me is that I have been married 20 years. Aww. And I commit every day over and over again to that relationship and to my husband. And so it's, it was something that was important to me as a young woman, and it's just as important to me as a 47-year-old woman Aww. that marriage is not always easy. But it's, again, where are you in your practice, right? Where are you? Do you give up partway through? Or do you just keep sticking through it and working through and learning how to be a better communicator? So for me, the biggest triumph would be that I've stayed in a loving, committed relationship for 20 plus years, and I have a beautiful daughter. That is so <laughs> lovely. I have goosebumps. Thank you. <laughs> I just love that answer. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to do a little round of this or that. Do you want to play? Yes. All right, cool. So matcha latte or golden milk? Matcha latte, <laughs> even though I love both. <laughs> In a beach day or a day in the park? Beach day. Clearwater Beach or South Beach? That's a hard one. Tough That's one. That's a hard one. That's a tough one. Feels so beautiful. You loved it here? I think I'm a Miami Beach. You're a Miami Beach yeah. girl already? It's just so hard to get over to Clearwater sometimes. That's my only thing with Clearwater. I love them both. I don't know. That's a hard one. You stumped me on that. Clearwater Beach. <laughs> Clearwater Clear Beach. Beach. Even though I love Miami. It's that sand. It is. It's the white sugar sand it's and beautiful. the clear water. Yes. That's why I love it. And it's just clean. It really is. It's such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Hummus or guac? Guac. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. A yoga flow or grappling? Yoga flow. Yoga flow. <laughs> Journaling or reading? 
Reading. Instructor or student? Student. And the very last question, in your opinion, what is the number one benefit of movement? The number one benefit of movement is being able to age with grace. Beautiful. Staying healthy in the body. That's what, that's what I commit to. And I would hope that that's what other people would want to commit to for themselves, is that they age with grace and they take care of their body so that they can live even longer and enjoy their life. I love that answer. <laughs> that's a beautiful, beautiful angle. Thank you so much, Devon. Thank you, Brianna. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I have so much love for you. Love you, too. <laughs> I'm just so happy we could have this chat yeah, today. Thank you. You can connect with Devon on Instagram or at the BDK Academy if you're local to Miami. I will leave her Instagram handle in the show notes. I hope today's episode has left you feeling inspired and empowered. Please give me a five-star rating on iTunes if you like this episode and subscribe for more to come. And as always, thank you for listening and don't forget to get out there and get moving.